Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. It's so good to be with you. We are in a time of the year where we are eagerly anticipating, at least most of us, um, Christmas and um, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, hopefully during this month of celebration that Jesus Christ has not been lost in all of the hustle and bustle and busyness of the, of the season, that you really do pause and reflect upon um, not only the reason why Jesus Christ came, but the work that he accomplished in his life here on earth, and also the, the great reality that he is coming again. Um, so hopefully you do have built into your systems um, moments where you can pause and, and think about um, the birth of Jesus Christ and all that's involved with it. So that's what we have been doing here the last couple of days on the Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of those, you can subscribe to um, our show, just wherever you receive your your podcast, you can just type in the Gospel for Life, and you can find um, our and listen to any of our previous shows. And we have been looking at "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" um, as we have been kind of doing a, a mini Advent program and series. Um, maybe it would be good to pause and just reflect on well, what does Advent mean? Well. Uh, Advent means coming. We remember that Christ has come, uh, and Christ will come again. Uh, at at Christmas time every year, we we always remember uh, the the first coming of Jesus, his his birth, uh, born of a virgin, uh, heralded by angels, and uh, there's a there's a temptation to want to because you know we're all comfortable with babies, and there's a there's a temptation to want to leave Jesus in the manger, uh, just perpetually a baby. And I, I think, frankly, uh, th- there's a lot of people that would just like to leave him there and cele- celebrate his birth once a year. Uh, but uh, Christ grew to manhood, uh, went to the cross in our place, rose from the dead uh, in victory over death. And because he lives, we shall live also. And uh he ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God, the father almighty, and he will come again. So in Advent, uh, we remember his first Advent and his coming Advent that he will, that he will come again in great power and glory. And that's why we're a people of hope. Uh, Christians should never despair of, of this world because uh, God uh, has not given up on us and he's proved it with the gift of his son. It's interesting that so much of Christendom um, either wants to leave Jesus in the manger or they want to leave Jesus on the cross. Mm. And neither one is helpful. Yes. Um, And so I think that's another reason why it's healthy to um, 
look at the totality of the work of Jesus Christ, that he came and was born, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he ascended, and that he reigns at God's right hand and is coming again. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to just con- keep in mind that all of those things are true about Jesus Christ and not pause on, on certain moments. Yeah, I, I won't I won't bring up the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Uh, <laughs> if you remember that movie uh, where... Uh, the comedian, what's his name? Uh, he he wants to pray to baby Jesus and his wife. He keeps saying, "Baby Jesus, baby Jesus," and his wife uh, says, "You know, he grew up." Uh, so there is a, a little serious moment, and I wonder who who wrote that. Uh, that, but but anyway, uh, it's a funny scene, but it captures something. Mm that a lot of people want to leave Jesus in the manger, cute and cuddly, and uh, he's always there. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons why this particular carol is so important. It's not simply a sentimental character, a carol. It actually gives a wonderful summary of all of God's Word and his promises uh, to us. If you have a hymnal, or if, you're, if you don't, I would encourage you to maybe even Google Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, look not just simply to that. We all tend to know the first line, but it would be a good idea to uh, look at all 10 verses that uh, Charles Wesley had written, or however they're printed in your hymnal now, maybe it's just five verses. But uh, if it's only three in your hymnal, uh, look beyond that. Um, because there is, because this is a summary, and we don't want to stay with just the sentimental portions of the carol. We want to get uh, this full summary of of God's wonderful promise to us in the sending forth of His Son. And so, in that in that third stanza, which we're looking at today, um, the uh, I'll read the third stanza. It says, "Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace." Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Now, there are a ton of allusions in this stanza to Old Testament prophecy. I was hoping that you guys could talk our listeners through some of those Old Testament prophecies and allusions that are coming through in in Wesley's hymn? I think the very first one, you know, of him, of Christ being the Prince of Peace, comes from that very familiar prophecy in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, where we have uh, this child that's born, the son that's given, and we're told that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, you know, Charles Wesley is coming um, and, and pulling this name of God to, to, to begin this uh, third stanza, really beginning where he, where he, in the third stanza, what he's introduced already, that he's come as the one who's going to reconcile us and bring us peace, because that's where he ends up uh, within this stanza. He's, um, this Prince of Peace is going to give us a second birth and raise us up. So that, that first allusion is from Isaiah 9, verse 6, the Prince of Peace. 
And the second illusion uh, in uh, the, the second uh, second stanza or the, the second line of, of the third stanza, hail the son of righteousness. And, and that is uh, S-U-N, um, the, the glowing, shining sun of righteousness. And that is uh, an allusion to Malachi 4.2, which says, I'm going to start at the beginning of Malachi 4, for behold, the day is coming burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubbled. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise. And once again, S-U-N, not S-O-N. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. In other words, you'll be set free. Um, And uh, this is a a prophecy of of the coming of Christ, uh, that he will be a shining light of righteousness. And in the Bible, righteousness is always a term of relationship, not just of moral perfection. Uh, it's a term of relationship. That it means being in right relationship with God, and He's going to shine the light uh, of the 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 way that Jesus will be the light of the world. Um, that the people who walked in darkness, another prophecy, have seen a great light. We were in the dark. We didn't know God. We were lost and stumbling. And Christ came and, and shone the light of the way back to God. We have these metaphors of, of the sun, uh, you know, that, you know, in the, in the healing property of the sun, uh, you know, the purifying property of, of the sun uh, there. And this is how God's revelation has to come to us because, um, you know, he has to use these metaphors and these language, this language to communicate uh, truth to us, you know, so you have the sun, you have light, you have life. You know, this is the, you know, it also picks up not just, you know, Malachi there, but it's a, a reminder of what we're told in John chapter 1, where where we're told that uh, in him was life, and this is John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Mm. Um, so just a reminder that he comes as, as life and light to us. Mm-hmm. So how much of these Old Testament prophecies do you think the original hearers would have understood? Now, looking back, we well, they, see a lot of clarity in them, and we can see how Jesus fulfilled them. Sure. How much, well, how much do you think they would have understood in their first hearing? Well, even the disciples, you know, and I've mentioned before they were disciples. I mean, they, they slow to learn. Even after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, when he meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he shows how all of Scripture was referring to him. So... You know, with a heavenly teacher, we get all that, you know, that he wants to communicate to us. We don't always have that. We, we always have to be asking for the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand these things. 
Yeah, you know, uh, contemporary <coughs> contemporary Christians uh, should uh, uh, modesty is the word that comes to mind, or, or humility. Uh, we we should be humble uh, because we often forget that we have two thousand years of Christian teaching behind us, mm-hmm. and so uh, many prophecies of Christ that seem so obvious to us. Well, you know, they seem obvious to me because I grew up in Sunday school. And uh, with with 2,000 years st- standing on a foundation of, I was born on a foundation of 2,000 years of Christian teaching. Uh, and the original hearers of these prophecies didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Well, they also they also had other prophecies there that probably relate a little bit more to the second coming of Christ, where he's coming as a as the warrior king. He's he's coming as the conquering king, and not as the suffering servant. Mm-hmm. So we tend to listen to those things which tickle our own ears rather than simply you know, the whole word of God. And so the idea of 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 one that was going to deliver by suffering and dying was not um, prominent always in their mind. And so they were looking for other aspects of him. So they, um, you know, it would be like going to, uh, it, it would be like going to the airport and looking for somebody that you only heard on the radio and you have the image of that person in your head. And it, and it turns out that the guy with the deepest voice is only about 5'2". Well, during this Christmas season, we would just encourage you to read all of the scriptures and read them um, so that you understand from the New Testament what the Old Testament was, was referring to. We will continue this tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we will see you then.